As if rising interest rates and the cost of living crisis weren't enough for investors to worry about these days. Despite all the talk of a bull market this year, stock markets continue their typical roller coaster ride. One minute they're in positive territory and your portfolio is looking pretty good. And the next, they're impacted by a devastating crisis, such as the wars in Ukraine and Israel Gaza. But is there a way to create a smarter portfolio to offset geopolitical uncertainties? Welcome to Pocketful of Dirhams. I'm Felicity Glover, the personal finance editor at The National. Joining me today is Ken Fisher, the billionaire founder, executive chairman, and co-chief investment officer of Fisher Investments, who's here to offer his advice on how investors can hedge against global uncertainties. And in his words, fear is your friend. But before we begin, don't forget to subscribe to Pocketful of Dirhams on your favorite podcasting app. Welcome to Pocketful of Dirhams, Ken. Thanks for having me, Felicity. It's uh, nice to be able to do something with you other than just writing. Yes, absolutely. It's really good to have you here. So let's just get straight into it. For the better part of this year, investors around the world have been focused on, you know, those usual topics, the cost of living crisis, high inflation, and more recently, whether or not the US Fed will raise interest rates again during its meeting this week. But there is now so much more to be concerned about when you consider what's going on with the crises in Russia, Ukraine, and Israel, Gaza. How is this impacting stock markets at the moment? It all induces fear. And in markets, fear is unpredictably, uh, in terms of time, but predictably over time, your friend. The nature of markets is that fear builds, knocking stocks down, but then that throws those that will not sustain out of the market builds the base for the next leg up. And it, there's legendary uh, commentary forever about how you want to buy when blood is running in the streets, when people are most fearful. But the last few years have been one where each of the events, you mentioned uh, Russia-Ukraine war, starting in February of last year, initially thought to be an event that would be more acute, if you will, has turned into something more chronic. That was a terribly fearful event, but event after event after event are like bricks in a wall of worry, and the wall of worry is what bull markets legendarily climb. So this period of the last few months, particularly leading up to the uh, uh, issues in Israel-Gaza, have been a few more fears making the market want to move down in a correction modality after the bull markets began. Uh, a year ago, October. And that's really fairly normal. In history, there's been about one of these about once a year. Okay. So, but how, I mean, you know, we talk a lot about fear and, you know, that, that, how that can drive markets. How do we, you know, just as normal people, normal everyday investors overcome that fear and, uh, you know, not let it influence, for example, our our decisions about what we're investing in and why we're investing in it? Well, the reality is that you should embrace it as if you were embracing a friend who was fearful. The uh, reality of fearful markets is their opportunity, they're not risk. The more fear, the less risk. The less fear, the less risk. And so people should actually look for the fear in others and embrace that emboldening themselves. 
That's that's interesting advice. I was you know, just when I was researching, you know, this this the topic for our podcast today. Of course, you know, October 29 also happened to be the 94th anniversary of Black Friday when US stock markets crashed and the Great Depression was born soon after. Are there any parallels to be drawn here with what the world is experiencing today? And if so, what would be your advice for investors in relation to this? Well, the reality of 1929 is there's no real parallels to uh, today. In that period, there are just a lot of really awkward things that happen as opposed to this period, which is a lot more like being endlessly attacked by a beehive that's been disturbed and each of the stings stings but isn't truly dangerous, just terrifying. And uh, this period is one where that period was one of the very few periods in history ever, where bad things led to stocks being lower markedly 10 years later. There's basically three kinds of risk. There's the risk of markets falling in the short term. There's the risk of things that you own being different than the market and being disastrous. There's the risk of not taking enough risk in the long term, because in the long term, stocks do well. Uh, the opportunity cost risk, as it would be called in economics. And for most of your readers I know, and probably most of your uh, podcast listeners, all three of those risks play at the same time. The one is, do I have enough in the long term? The other is, what happens in the next few months? Eek. And the third is, is what I own particularly risky? And uh, the, the, the latter can be mitigated again simply by being relatively like the market one way or another, whether passive or just having a diversified portfolio. The first two are playing all the time against our emotion. The short term, it might go down versus the long term, I don't have enough. And there's no actual uh, magic bullet that overcomes those. Yeah, I agree with that definitely. But do you think that there is a way, though, for investors to build smarter portfolios? to mitigate, you know, the shocks in what is becoming what we could say is a less predictable world? And, you know, if there is, then what should they be considering? Should it be, you know, I don't know, more defensive uh, stocks, for example? So there's a lot of free lunches on Wall Street, and all those free lunches are very expensive. The reality is you'll find a lot of people that will offer you product that says that mitigates those two risks against each other, and none of them are correct. None of them are true. Uh, the fact of the matter is it's just a trade-off between long-term opportunity cost and short-term volatility. That's just fundamentally basic and cannot actually be avoided. You can reduce your short-term volatility risk. That's not very hard to do by moving to portfolios that are less prone to go up in the longer term one way or another. But it's a trade-off between long-term return versus short-term volatility, and you cannot get away from that. Try as you may, fool yourself as much as you want. At the end of the day, those two risks play against each other perfectly all the time. A lot of what you know we talk about uh, in, in the personal finance section is, you know, particularly for, you know, those investors who don't know a great deal about trading or, you know, investing and things like that. And so, you know, it 
perhaps it's better that they diversify their portfolios with, you know, a couple of low-cost ETFs and then and just don't touch them. Just let, uh, you know, the markets go up and down and just think long-term. Is that another viable option at the moment for, for investors? It is if the people can actually do it. And let me take a moment on that. I mean, it's a, it's a great point. You can buy indexes inexpensively that replicate countries, the world as a whole. You can combine them in different ways. Um, the easiest and simplest is to buy several that mimic the world stock market or a big market that you want to emulate, like the S&P 500. The problem is history has shown that most people don't hold them very long. Most people take the passive vehicle and have an average holding period of only a little over 18 months. And so if you actually are buying and selling passive investments, you're not actually passive and you don't get that long-term diversified return, you get the return of the short to intermediate period. And what happens is they buy that passive index and then more of these scary things come along, market falls, scares them to into selling out of the index, and effectively they bought high, sold low, and that's brutal. So the reality is if they can do it, it's a great thing to do. It requires having the tenacity to truly be able to, in a staunch sense, not get freaked out by scary stories. You, you take right now. The, the the big news we all know the biggest news is not whether the Fed uh, on the first raises interest rates since it's only done that a whole bunch of times and we know we're close to the end of the cycle of that if we aren't already at the end of the cycle of that and and that over most of that interest rate hike that the Fed has done stocks are actually up not down a point most people forget but said simply the big story is what's going on with Israel Gaza. And that's, I mean, horrific uh, facts, scary stuff as it relates to the potential of the war expanding outside of Gaza, uh, outside of conflicts with uh, on the on the West Bank into a bigger conflict. And and if that happens, truly, you're going to see more people afraid. But in reality, we've seen a lot of wars over history. We've seen what happens in the aftermath of the wars, which is stocks are always higher. If you can hold yourself through those time periods, you get rewarded. Fear is always your friend in the market. Uh, it, the, the more fear there is, the more friendly it is. Fear is a risk reducer. It's not a risk creator. And, and yet in the short term, stocks are volatile, so they can always fall like they have in the last few months. Not, you know, we're down, uh, we, we were down about 10%. Uh, we're not quite down 10% globally right now from the peak and we have these corrections of about this magnitude or four five six percent more uh almost once a year and you just can't predict when they are because sometimes you could go three years in a row without one or sometimes you could get two or three in a year and still be in a rising stock market overall and so the reality is the big bear markets the ones that are down 20 30 40 percent those happen much more rarely and usually happen from periods where there has been very little fear, where people have been optimistic, where people think they can see fairly far into the future with good things. And that's not now. So 
stay calm, but also embrace fear as your friend. Fear is your friend when it comes to capital markets. The more people are afraid, the more risk has already been taken out of the market, the more you should be comfortable being emboldened. You said, for example, Felicity, maybe now's the time to buy defensive stocks. Well, defensive stocks are good to buy if you think the market's going to fall, but then you got to be able to get out of them and get into more offensive stocks if you think stocks are going to rise. And that means that you think you're good at timing the market. I'm not saying you personally, I'm saying someone that does that thinks they're good at timing the market. The fact is, when there's a lot of fear in the market, your best bet is to buy the things that fell more in the downturn, because when that turns around, they bounce more as a category. That's the part about being emboldened, which today would be the more growthy things, the techier things. When I say techie, I mean the higher quality techier things, which have fallen more since July. Uh, would bounce more when it turns around. That's being emboldened. That's not comfortable for people that are fearful. If you're really very fearful, it means you can't take much volatility. If you can't take much volatility, you ought to tailor your portfolio to also presume you're not going to get the upside benefit on the other side. The reality is there's nothing wrong with getting a low return if you can live with that comfortably. It just means that in the long term, you're less wealthy. And, you know, if you think of the name of this podcast, the question becomes, how big do you want your pocket to be? Thank you this week to Ken Fisher, the founder of Fisher Investments. If you'd like advice on your personal finance issues, you can write to me at pfatthenationalnews.com. And remember, PF stands for personal finance. Please do subscribe to Pocketful of Dirhams on your favorite podcasting app to receive updates. And also leave us a review so we know what you think. This episode was produced by Arthur Edison and Dua Farid. And I've been your host, Felicity Glover.